Hi there, this is Sage Faulkner, and this is the Chama Peak Land Alliance Farm and Ranch Podcast. These are previously aired live recordings from the Farm and Ranch radio show on 96.1 FM KXJR. We appreciate the opportunity to share these recordings with you, and if you have questions, you can always reach me, sage at chamapeak.org. There may be old or outdated announcements throughout the show. Please disregard. Thank you again for making time to listen. Our website is www.chamapeak.org. Thanks to CPLA, KXJR, and the many members and guests who have contributed to this podcast. Thank you so much and have a beautiful day. So this morning, I'm really excited to have a guest um, in here at the radio show with me, Mr. Aaron Jones. And Aaron is actually one of the founding members of the Chama Peak Land Association. And um, so we're familiar with Aaron, but we've got some concerns coming down the pike at us this morning um, and in in the area over E+. And so Aaron and I are going to sit here and visit about that. So I also um, want to take a, an opportunity to thank Aaron. For those of you that are familiar with our senior firewood program, um, Aaron and Rancho Oso del Pardo were one of the contributors on that. So thank you for that, Aaron, and good morning. Good morning. Glad to be here and glad to be part of the show and <clears throat> happy to represent uh, Chelmo Peak Land Alliance here as well. Well, we, we appreciate all your efforts um, outside of your job. I know it's a busy, busy time of year for you, so thank you for coming down. So let's jump right into it. Aaron, why don't you start off, maybe introduce yourself a little bit for our guests so they know who you are. Okay, yeah, um, I'm a lifetime member of the community and uh, love the Chama Valley. I <clears throat> actually uh, have worked on these ranches up in, in the Chama area for almost all my life. When I wasn't working, I was playing around on them as a kid. And I'm, I'm an avid out- outdoorsman. Um, other than living here in Chama, I did go to New Mexico State University. I got my bachelor's in uh, wildlife science and fisheries management, which kind of allowed me the opportunity to be where I'm at today, managing properties and, uh, you know, volunteering for the uh, Chama Peak Land Alliance as a board member. But well, yay, and go Aggies. Yeah, <laughs> go Aggies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the, the E-plus program. So we know that there is um, a sportsman group that is attempting to dismantle the E-plus program. And, and while E-plus is not perfect, and for those of you that maybe don't know, that's the New Mexico Department of Game and Fish program for um, elk on, on land, for landowners up uh, throughout New Mexico that have elk on their land. Let's visit a little bit about the program itself, Aaron. Okay, yeah, let me back up a little bit. So <clears throat> I think there's going to be a lot of people that don't even know what E-plus is or what it stands for. So I'll start there. Uh, E-plus is actually the Elk Private Land Use System. That's, that's the acronym. Um, and it was created in recognition of the important benefits that private lands make to elk populations and to hunting opportunities in New Mexico. The program actually gives hunters and landowners a way to work together to effectively manage elk on private lands, um, which is huge in New Mexico and in more particular in our region right here in northern New Mexico where we have so much private land and elk overlap. So the E-plus system has been working well uh, for the for the communities in New Mexico and for the farmers and ranchers that have elk on their property, 
And I think it's fairly evident for everybody that lives in Achama Valley how many elk we have and how much they spend time in our hay fields, on our properties, on our ranches, and in our backyards eating flowers, whatever it is. We have a lot of elk, and we love them, but they're definitely something that we have to live with here. Absolutely, and there's a lot of expenses and time that go into really hosting the wildlife, right? Like if you're exactly. fixing fence, you're, you're, they're eating your crops, your hay, your pasture, um, they do some damage. And so I think this is a really effective way for um, game and fish to acknowledge that and give landowners an opportunity to offset some of those costs. Um, so we know New Mexico is a little different than some of the surrounding states, like Arizona, for example, has a lot, the elk there are, are located primarily on their public land. And so the program they have in Arizona really wouldn't fit New Mexico because of that, don't you? No, I, I, I agree. And, New Me- you know, each, each state's unique. Each region of every state is unique. So, you know, there's no cookie cutter type program or fit for any state. Uh, New Mexico's unique because we have so much private land. And, you know, New Mexico was settled and a lot of the private land is actually on the waterways and some of the habitat that the elk prefer is on private land. So there's a lot of really good, healthy habitat for elk in New Mexico on private land. Actually, uh, 50% of New Mexico's elk habitat is found on private land, whereas other states, you know, as little as 10% can be on private land or less, and there's a lot more public land. So, yeah, the E-plus system really is one of those tools that is utilized to help mitigate some of the private land issues that landowners have to deal with. So that's, that's a, those are some really good facts, Aaron, and I really appreciate you coming in and visiting with us about it. Um, so let's talk a little bit about how a landowner participates in the program. Okay, yeah, so, you know, this has been a, a very evolving process with New Mexico Department of Game and Fish, various game commissions, landowners and the public over the years. So, you know, E-plus, e+ actually, I was, I was talking to an old friend this morning, uh, Dick Ray, who used to be in our community, and he was telling me back in the 70s he can remember, you know, some of this landowner uh, allocation and tags coming about. So it's been, it's been a long time and a long process that has evolved. And of course, you know, there's been some changes over the years, but, um, in order to qualify, there is a process that you have to go through. You have to apply through the New Mexico department of game and fish for elk permits on your property. And then you have to be able to prove that your property is providing beneficial use to elk and, you know, they have a scoring system, and it, and it gets kind of complicated, but the, the original scoring system that they came out with has been modified just as a few years ago, and some of the landowners actually no longer qualified because they may have been one or two points short on a scoring system. So, yeah, you have to be able to provide, you know, food, water, cover, um, you know, a certain amount of acreage or whatever to be able to host and prove that your property is providing beneficial use to elk. And once you go through that process, um, the New Mexico Department of Game and Fish can issue tags. um, And then based on that, there's actually different contribution levels that you can uh, work with New Mexico Department of Game and Fish on based on how heavy the use is on your property. Are the elk on your property a certain time of year? Are they there year round? So, um, yeah, it's not... You know, just one of those, hey, I'm going to call Game and Fish and they're going to give me tag kind of kind of situations. You, it's, it's a pretty complicated process. And, and we know it doesn't work for perfectly for everybody. 
no program does. Um, but I think my feeling is, and, and I'm just going to wear my hat for just a minute, is that the loss of this program um, would be significant to landowners, especially in this area. And some of the other ideas that are floating around out there, I, I don't think would do as much for the landowners. And so that's kind of where we come into this discussion. And, and that's, you, you'll have a lot of different takes on this. Um, but my feeling is, is what we've got is better than anything else really out there. Exactly. Yeah, actually, there's other states uh, like Montana, Wyoming that don't have landowner programs like we do. And they're uh, very interested in what's happening in New Mexico to create some sort of system like E plus in their states. But um, yeah, to, you know, more more to that point, um, you know, there is a threat right now in New Mexico. Um, there's organizations that are coming against uh, the E plus system, wanting it to be modified. They feel like it's unfair for landowners to get elk permits in New Mexico and to be able to utilize those permits or do what they want with them. And they're, they're actually, you know, really kind of coming at it at an angle that only the rich and the wealthy are benefiting from this process. And, and I think that we know in our own community, in our backyards, you know, it's a huge benefit to uh, the entire community. And, you know, as I drive from Chama to TA and further south to Savoy or La Puente or uh, Heron and all, all these areas, you know, I see all these small farms and ranches and hay fields and, um, you know, it's like we know our neighbors and, and we know that this system of having these tags is hugely beneficial and, and it's traditional to our community. And so, yeah, seeing, seeing some change and having, having these organizations come in and say that they want to take this away, in my opinion, is a huge threat to, to you know, our landowners in this area. Absolutely. And, and I think um, one of the things that so coming from my agricultural perspective is diversity is good, right? Um, the more species you have in a pasture, the healthier it is, the more it's able to overcome different scenarios. So this idea that um, out-of-state hunters are getting everything and, and they're a problem, I really feel is inaccurate because we do have some out-of-state hunters, but we also have a lot of local hunters. We have a lot of meat hunters and horn hunters locally. And um, so we get... I think a, a nice mix of all of the above and and so for somebody to say that it's it's all just wealthy out-of-state hunters that's getting that that's not factually correct but those out-of-state hunters that do come in they bring their dollars in so that's a piece of that equation that is incredibly valuable especially to little communities like ours yeah i think i think that's that's key to survival of communities like we live in um you know without elk hunting and without you know, hunting in general and bringing these out-of-state hunters, these people that are going to come in and spend money at the hotels, the gas stations, you know, the outfitters, the guides, the cooks, the, you know, everybody's benefiting from this. Uh, the grocery receipts taxis, we, we go to the grocery store right here in Chama and, and we see all of these out-of-state hunters coming through, passing through, whether they're, you know, hunting in our community or hunting someplace else, they're spending money in our community and it stays in our community. And, you know, we, we, we know what we're going into in winter. You know, after hunting season shut da- shuts down, we all know, like, okay, well, you know, are the restaurants even going to be open? Or, you know, what are the hotels going to do? And so we, we really benefit from, you know, these people coming from the outs- outside of the community and to take advantage and just <clears throat> really spend their money here, you know, and bring it into our community. Absolutely. And, and I think that loss would be um, significant especially in this community like you were just talking about um so we've got lots of time to keep talking here um Aaron what are some of the 
key points that you want folks to walk away from this discussion with? Well, you know, I think I think some of the key points that I really want want people to take away is that you know there there's a threat you know if, to to private lands and and you know there's an outside uh, group of people that that really feel like they want access not only to you know the benefits that the uh, community and the landowners are getting in, in areas like this, but they also want more, you know, and there, there's a certain amount of greed, you know, I want what somebody else want has, if they have it, I want it too, you know, and, and I think, you know, in my opinion, the resource is really where the focus is. And I think some of the oversight, you know, regardless of where we're at, and, you know, is, is you know, really maintaining the resources of these, of these wildlife, and landowners are huge for doing that. Um, you know, and, and I see people in our community that are feeding elk, hay, and not necessarily happy about it, but because they are getting a landowner voucher, they, they, they are a lot happier about it because they know that there's going to be some sort of compensation for that loss. And it's not even the elk, you know, just coming in and destroying the fences or eating hay. You know, they lay down in these, in these alfalfa fields or hay fields and they just smash the grass down. But, you know, there's, there is some compensation for that. And, you know, if, if, some of these organizations get their way, it's going to be the smaller landowners that are hurt the most because they'll be the ones that don't have these landowner tags to sell and transfer out to help offset some of the costs of their ranching uh, and farming that they're doing. And, you know, I I think that we really need to be looking out for each other and and really trying to help, you know, this community out and, 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 speak up. I think that we need to speak up to our representatives we need to speak up to the New Mexico Department of Game and Fish and, you know, try to protect what we have here. I, I absolutely agree with that. And, and on that note, um, for any of you that are interested, the um, Western Land Alliance has actually started a letter writing campaign that we're participating in. And so if any of you do social media, you can go to the Chama Peak Land Alliance um, Facebook page and I've got that information posted there or by all means send me an email if, if you're curious about that I can send you the link so my email address is sage at chamapeak.org or again check out our Facebook page which um, is Chama Peak Land Alliance and you, you'll be able to find us there um, and on, on that I know there's there's other things you can do you can call your representatives and let them know that this is a program that is is valuable to you and and while you, we may not all be happy with all the pieces of it the loss of it i think would be significant um let the game commission know by all means that's another place where we can uh, can work together on that and um, we're happy to help as well if you have questions by all means reach out to us at chama peak land alliance and um you know we'll do what we can to work with you on that so um, again, I, I've, I echo Aaron's concerns that this is really going to impact the smaller guys, um, but I think it's also going to impact the quality of hunting itself. So if, if that goes away then and those tags get reallocated in some way, um, I think there's a potential that public lands could get hit even harder. And if there isn't a hunting opportunity on private land to offset, offset that, then we're going to see kind of this situation where the elk are all going to be on private lands and the quality of the hunting is going to decline and, and and that's again that's my opinion but share some thoughts on the quality of hunting yeah here. let me i think that's a really really valid point so you know and and like i said there's no cookie cutter type situation here in new mexico and you know and we here in the chama valley actually fall in game management unit four 
And so, you know, the state is divided up into several game management units, but unit four is very unique because of the amount of private land that's here. So we have, we have basically the three wildlife management areas and a couple of state parks. We have the uh, Sargent Wildlife Area, uh, the Rio Chama and the Humphreys, which are basically our public lands right. in unit four. And then we have almost all private land with the exception of, you know, tribal lands on either side of us. So um, we do have the Carson National Forest and the Rio Grande to the north, but most of all of Unit 4 is almost in private land. So, you know, what some of the public or some of these organizations are really seeking out is trying to take some of these tags and put them in public hands, take them out of the private, away from the private landowners, put them in the public hands of New Mexico hunters and giving them more opportunity. Well, in Unit 4, where do they go to hunt? You know, are we going to crowd another 100 200 hunters into our wildlife management areas, um, you know, and, and how is that really going to push and affect these elk moving onto uh, private lands? So, you know, pressure right now, uh, you know, these elk already recognize where, you know, they're getting enough pressure. They move into the areas with least pressure, less pressure. And so, yeah, that's really going to impact how, you know, our community survives, you know, and, and lives with elk. Um, yeah, so that, that would be a huge impact. There's other areas in New Mexico where, you know, it's different. You know, there's more public land than, than we see here in Game Management Unit 4. But, you know, this is our backyard. And, you know, we need to be thinking about, you know, what's going to happen in our backyard if some of these organizations get their way. I think that's a really good point. And, and I will say I'm one of the first ones as, as a farmer to, to – stay away from political stuff and, and policy stuff. But I think this is a, is going to be a really um, key situation where the voice that shows up is going to be the voice that gets heard. And so I think um, it, it's going to be imperative for all of us um, to make our voices heard on that. And, and recognizing that, you know, we've got sportsmen here, we hunt here, we've got families that are involved, but these organizations that are coming in um, and, and, really addressing this issue you know there there's that old saying right look at where the money is well if they're out there raising their membership fees and getting folks involved from their side of it because they feel like hey they're going to get us more hunting opportunities and they have lobbyists and they're there fighting those fights we've got to offset it and um, certainly this community is going to be hugely impacted um, by that again so let's kind of just recap Aaron again kind of the discussion here and, and share our concerns with with our listeners yeah just you know as a recap you know right now um, there is a threat and I think that's the biggest point that we're trying to make here to you know the private land elk tags that we get in our not only in our community but throughout New Mexico and and you know we're just trying to raise some awareness to our community about what impacts that might have and, and that way people aren't blindsided when you know come january these organizations and, and these hunters from albuquerque and santa fe and every you know these cities are saying hey you know we want access to these tags to these properties and you know <clears throat> what's yours should be mine um and you know there's really they're really providing no benefit like the farmers and ranchers in our community are and so you know we really just want people to speak up and and you know, uh, be aware and notify your representatives, notify, you know, be prepared to protect your, your property and, and, and your rights. Um, you know, and I think Aldo Leopold, you know, kind of said it best. And he says, conservation will ultimately 
boil down to rewarding the private landowner who conserves for the public interest. And, you know, the way I read that in this situation is, you know, we're feeding the elk. Yeah, the elk belong to the state, and the state have the right to manage them. But, you know, our community feeds the elk. Our community, you know, builds fences. They deal with elk in our backyards every day. And, you know, we're providing beneficial habitat and steward, doing stewardship for, for, you know, the wildlife in our community. And, you know, there should be some sort of compensation and reward for doing that. And, you know, and, and the overflow of that is that, you know, we have these beautiful animals that, you know, are found and more readily on the wildlife areas around here in the public lands that the, the public benefit from. And it's unfortunate that, you know, the, the hunting community is growing and it's harder to draw tags than it used to be. You know, you used to be able to go and buy an over-the-counter tag and everybody could go hunt every year. But, you know, if we did that today, there would be no wildlife left. So, you know, some of us have to, you know, just recognize that, hey, maybe we don't get a tag every year. But, you know, the, I think what I see in our landowner community, too, is that we're, we're donating a lot of opportunities to the, to the public, too. In fact, just yesterday, you know, I, we had cow hunts donated and people were filling their freezers because they came up and were able to harvest elk on, on our property. Well, congratulations to you guys for doing that. And I, I will echo that. I, I've, we've been here 20 years, and I don't know very many folks that haven't done some of that kind of um, work within their communities. We've given elk tags for raffles for 4-H and for um, a, a young man that was um, actually really sick. And, and a, a lot of us have those stories, right, where we know somebody, we know a, a vet, veteran, and he needs some meat in the freezer, so we give him a cow tag. And every outfitter up here works with um, the community like that. And so we've got this really um, strong sense of community out of these these elk tags. And it's not just about the money. It's about the elk. It's about the community and taking care of of all of us and not just the wealthy or, you know, any, any out-of-state folks. Um, I think it's just a really valuable whole program that that does a lot for new mexico and um aaron we just i so appreciate you coming in today and and sharing your thoughts and i'm probably going to make you come back again soon because i think like you that this concern is going to be um hitting the legislative session and so um we'll probably discuss it again any follow-up stuff you want to it's been here for 30 plus years and it's not going away so you know i think as long as there's an awareness and as long as we're doing what we can uh, to protect what what's here, I think you know that's what all we can do. And and you know just to kind of echo that, you know the Chama Peak Land Alliance was formed to give landowners a voice. You know the state and federal agencies, uh, other organizations have a voice and they have a seat at the table. And landowners have for a long time been on their own. You know like each one has to represent themselves. And you know we would like to hear from other landowners in the community. And, and that's why the Chama Peak Land Alliance is here to help represent and be there for our community. Absolutely. Absolutely. And thank you again for um, your work in, in the foundation of that. So for those of you that are interested, um, the Chama Peak Alliance website is chamapeak.org. And you can find us on all the socials. We do Twitter, we do Facebook and Instagram. Just look Chama Peak Land Alliance and you will find us. And again, a huge thank you to our guest, Aaron Jones of Rancho Oso del Pardo. And we appreciate all you do for the community.